Kate Mingle, welcome to the Trust Collective interview series. I'm so happy to have you on my show. How are you doing tonight? Happy to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? I can't complain. Um, you're coming to us from Massachusetts, right? Yep. Yeah, I live in Cambridge. I've read a couple articles about you on the Massachusetts Ultra website, or you've been mentioned a couple times. Um, are they so? Tell me a little bit about Massachusetts Ultra. Is that like a trail running company? Massachusetts Ultra. Yeah. I actually don't know what you're talking about. No, so it's like a, it's a website, and they have like a <laughs> bunch of different like you're on there, so you gotta check it out. It's I like, mean, there are some. There's some like there's a local club called like Trail Animals Running Club, so. I would, I wonder if maybe it's affiliated with that and they kind of like hold races at the various reservations located around Massachusetts. Okay. Um, or maybe it's kind of like what we're doing here for the Trust Collective. Maybe it's like a little bit of like a news source. I'll have to, I'll have to look. Um, I'm interested now. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so if they are associated with trail and with, I think I always called it TARC. But, Park, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I have a couple friends. Um, my friend Samantha LeBlanc has also talked about TARC a couple times. Um, so what is that? Um, it's just a, a club. It's they don't. I think they have some like runs that they hold, but from what I understand, uh, primarily what they do is races, and they kind of like I said hit the major. Like Boston doesn't have too much like in the downtown area for trails, but within like 30 minutes of Boston, like you can get like a lot of nice um, running like state parks and they kind of like do something at least once a season. So like maybe like four or five races a year that they scatter around those different areas. And I think that they're anything from like, they're, they're typically, they do a lot of 50Ks. I think they have some longer stuff too. I've only done one of their races though. I think Samantha LeBlanc was at one of the one, the one I did, like the Tark Summer Classic, but she was doing the 40 miler. Which uh, race did you do? Uh, or was that your first ultra? No, my first ultra was two, in 2017. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, that was in South Carolina. I went to grad school down there. Oh, okay. What'd you study and where? Um, I went to the University of South Carolina, and I studied chemical engineering. So I have my PhD oh. in chemical engineering. Oh, all right. And so uh, where do you work now? Um, now I work at Moderna. Uh, so I'm in a pharmaceutical company. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, is that So you, did you do your graduate work there, or was that undergrad? At University of South Carolina. Uh, graduate work. So I went to undergrad at Clarkson University, which isn't too, too far. I mean, I don't know. I say it's not too far, but like upstate New York is huge. And yeah, I no, I know where Clarkson is. I have a couple friends that went there. Yeah, that's, that's where I went. Also studied chemical engineering and then just went to South Carolina for my PhD. Okay, when did you graduate? Graduated in 2018. Oh, all right. Okay. And so uh, how long have you been in Massachusetts? I've been in Massachusetts since, so I'm from Maine originally, and South Carolina was a, a pretty good place to go to grad school, and actually down there, like the Blue Ridge Mountains and like the Asheville area, that's definitely one of my favorite places to run, but as far as like building a career and being with friends and family, um, the South wasn't someplace we were going to stay long term, so came back to Massachusetts. I did, I 
my first job was I've actually I'm on my second job that I've had in Boston so far but same area and there's just a huge biotech scene in Boston like really some of the best I mean you're just surrounded by very very intelligent people here it's, it's pretty intimidating um, but it's a great place to to learn and to grow and to um, make a difference so I'm happy to be here that's neat. I work on Cornell campus and I'm surrounded by, I keep telling myself like these kids could be like the smartest kids in the country. And you know, the smartest kids in the country are still normal people. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Amelia, our mutual friend, Amelia Kaufman, who I mention all the time on this show, this is <laughs> her show now. Um, she told me to ask you about what you're doing with the um, COVID vaccine? Are you doing anything with that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Moderna is working on the COVID vaccine. So that's all, I, I definitely can't like speak too much to, you know, I can't really give my opinions on how that's going. Um, I'm not really like empowered to be a spokesperson for the company. So I have to be careful there, but just like to kind of like tell you what I'm working on and what's in the news, we are working on a coronavirus vaccine and it's in phase three trials, and I'm directly involved in, in that work. I work with, currently right now, I'm working on data and statistics for the manufacturing of that vaccine. So that's, really yeah, cool. that's my life all day, every day. That is so cool. Like, uh, I mean, I know you're like, you can't speak to what you're doing, but like, this is like the real work. So have you developed a vaccine before? Nope, I've never, I've never developed a vaccine before. And I certainly don't feel like I, like, like there's so many smart people working on it. Um, and I started working for Moderna in April. So they were already working at, on the vaccine before I joined. And it was just, you know, I was coming from a position. So, so prior to Moderna, I worked for Living Proof, which is a hair care company. I don't know if you've heard of it. If you're not into hair care, you, you may have not, but that's like a kind of cool company. It's like very science-based, but I, I wasn't terribly happy there. Like I didn't really just, I just didn't feel that motivated to do, to work on what I was working on. And it's just been like night and day. And I feel very, very lucky to be able to just make it feel like I'm making a difference in such a crazy time. Can you tell me like a little bit about what goes into making a vaccine? Like not even this one, just like anything. Like, I mean, cause to me, it seems like we have this new like sickness and like, and in the beginning, everybody was like, scientists were like, there will be a vaccine eventually. And I was like, how do you know that? Like, you don't know that. I mean, like, so how do you do, like, what goes into developing a vaccine? Yeah. Um, well, when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> with with vaccines, I'm I'm certainly not an expert. I'm I'm learning a lot, but there are um, a lot a lot of different kinds that are used. I think like the main classes you'll hear about are um, like just like a protein vaccine. There's nucleic acid vaccines, which are like vaccines that will deliver like RNA or DNA to the cells. Um, there are viral vector vector vaccines that will use like uh, inactivated viral virus of a different kind, like an adenovirus, to deliver genetic material. Um, and there's just, a, you know, 
you'll typically have like a pretty long timeline, which we've heard a lot about in the news, like what's the normal normal timeline for developing a vaccine. And, you know, everything starts in the lab and then there's very, very drawn out safety studies on animals. And then like you, you go through your phase one, phase two and phase three clinical trials to determine safety and then F dose and then efficacy. And all of those timelines now have just been like really compressed and a lot of companies are taking on a lot of risk to expedite and be prepared. Yeah, it does seem like very fast. And regardless of what your politics are, you know, it's kind of like kind of wishful thinking to me a little bit. Like I know you guys will eventually come up with a vaccine, but like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like we, it's like, I feel like a lot of people want to just like wish the pandemic away. Like if we can just like, you know, some random vaccine might work for like 20 people and that's the vaccine for everybody, you know, but like, that doesn't like, doesn't always happen. The vaccine might only have like a 60% rate. And so it's not like, it's also not like we get this vaccine and then everything goes back to normal. It's more like we get the vaccine. We're still going to be in masks for the next two years because like, it's not going to work for everybody. And, um, but I really do like from the bottom of my heart, like I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And I think that you're very, um, people are taking you for granted. I think our government is because, you know, it's, you do animal trials, you do other trials first before giving it to act two people. And I think it's, um, you guys are under a lot of pressure and I'm really, uh, really like from everybody, we're really thankful for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I mean the, the FDA, like the, like drugs are still going to be approved and they're the purpose of clinical trials, um, to my understanding, and I, I mean, this isn't a speculation on what Moderna is doing, just, but just in general for anyone developing a vaccine, is my expectation as somebody who will eventually take the vaccine that, um, you know, these, we're going, these drugs are going to be proven to be efficacious and safe. And um, I mean, that's, that's what the FDA does. And we're still going to, we're still going through that, those regulatory proceedings. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's certainly, there's a lot of people working on it right now. And I think that it's fantastic. I think that it's every, everybody working on it wants everybody else to succeed too. It's an interesting time. It is, you know, I, I said back in March when like all the colleges started shutting down, I was like, okay, great. I have this idea. We get all the smartest kids in the country, all these like, 20 like early like late teens early 20 somethings that are bored at home everybody just start working on a vaccine let's go everybody which i know that's not how it works but it was wishful thinking but right you remind me that like everybody's working on it it'll get there soon you know but keep wearing your mask and washing your hands yeah i think that there's some like vaccines i don't know if you heard about that but i think there's some vaccines that were approved for limited use in like china maybe one in china and one in russia uh, maybe more than one. I'm not actually sure, but that's I think a case of like the regulatory timeline has been expedite, expedited in a way that's potentially not safe. But I yeah. I don't know too much about those vaccines, but there are people cutting corners in other parts of the world. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we're going to talk about running. 
So uh, you started ultra running in 2017, and you basically um, run about two races a year since then, and in all but one, you placed in the top three. So you were pretty good. Uh, did you uh, were, did you run in high school and college, like at South Carolina, or um, is this something that you picked up after college? Um, those are very small races, but thank you for ma making it sound so great. <laughs> um, but no, I didn't, I didn't run high school. I think I ran track for like one season and I played lacrosse and I, my main sport in high school was alpine skiing. And then I, and I also played soccer. So I was, I, I ran a lot in high school, but like really just to stay in shape for soccer and stuff like that. And in college, I didn't run either. I did one year of ski team and then kind of got overwhelmed with that. And was just focusing on, on work well, school. And I really picked up running in earnest after like many, many years of really just like running to like stay in shape um, at, in grad school. So I kind of like wanted to do the marathon thing and see, just like do it for fun. And then like a lot of people experience just like totally got hooked. And then what brought you to the trail? I mean, what was your first, what, what why did you decide to run that first ultra? That's a good question. I think I just like thought it would be fun and kind of like when, when there's, when there's a challenge that's like, you know, I, I thought like, is that going to be harder than a marathon? Like what's it going to be like to run on trails? And my interest was peaked and I did a lot of trail running anyway. So it seemed like a natural progression. And I really like, I really love trail running and the ultra community. It's just like such a fun part of running and I've made so many great friends not to say that you can't make great friends road running but trail running and the ultra community are definitely really special it's just a different kind of relationship I think it is like I think people at ultra races they're like down to have fun and like stuff like that whereas like sort of in road races at least where you would probably be and where I am it's like you know, we're going to race and then afterwards maybe like hang out, like during the race, there isn't as much, there isn't any hanging out. Um, how many marathons did you do before your first ultra? Um, I just did two. So I ran one really, really shitty road marathon. Um, that was just awful. Like, again, like a lot of people's experience, like I think I had run like 30 miles a week, like my peak week was like 30 miles or something. And I did like a long, like 120 mile run, like on a, on the treadmill on at Christmas time. That was like the training for the race, which is actually pretty good. Like to do, you know, I did a 20 miler, but I, that finished like over four hours. It was like 410 or something. And like the last six miles were like, I was like walking. Isn't it the hardest six miles of your life? My first, yeah. I remember my first marathon. I was like, I don't know my feet. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. I remember just like gagging. Like I just couldn't stop like gagging up like spit and stuff. And yeah, I just, it just was awful. And so then like, I was like, well, that's gotta, obviously people are making this, are figuring out how to do this and not have such a bad time. So, you know, ran more, and got a lot easier <laughs> yeah how was your second one um that was good that was like um 
an uphill road marathon. It, it was that was called Grandfather Mountain Marathon in Boone, North Carolina. It's a really fun race, but it's like 3,500 or 4,000 feet of gain, and it's just like uphill the entire way. So that was pretty chill. I kind of just like ran that with some friends, um, but was still quite a bit faster than my first marathon. I improved a bit by then, mm-hmm. and then I ran my first ultra pretty soon after that. And I think that distance, like the 50K distance really clicks for me. Um, I'd say that's probably my strongest distance so far from what I've experienced. And then I I ran another road marathon after that. That was like my, I ran a lot of races close together then. And then I, then I spent a lot of time kind of injured, um, which sucked. So, um, what uh what makes you say the 50k is your best distance have you run anything longer than that oh wait yeah you ran jfk because i want to talk about that later um so why do you think the 50k is your best distance i just think that i can kind of like grind for for that long like like i think that i'm good at running kind of faster for in an ultra, and, and I think I can push it further than 50K, but I think 50K is like a good standard distance to do that on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I got, maybe it's just because like people, like people who go to a 50K and it's an ultra and it's kind of, it's like a trail ultra and it's kind of slow for but actually you can run a 50K pretty fast because it's not really that longer, much longer than a marathon. So it's yeah. fun to... I feel like it's just, it's sort of 50 k of distance where it's like sort of fun to like play with that fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's starting to feel shorter. Like, it feels pretty short, yeah. <laughs> and which is strange because like I don't have that much experience going that much longer. But um, like the last two 50Ks that I did, uh, I yeah, I agree. I was able to just like sort of grind. Like, I mean, it was probably like, maybe like a minute slower than my marathon pace. But I mean, I felt like I was just like chilling, like, but still going, like, you know, you're in that like flow state where you're not jogging, but you're not like at threshold. You're like below there and it feels good. Yeah. I like it. I think it's good. It's, 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 I can't really like, I also find that I can be engaged for that long, like mentally. I think I, I don't, I can't engage a whole 50 miler, like especially JFK. Like we'll talk about the last 25 miles. I definitely was not like in, I was not racing, like in the racing mode. I was in the yeah. survive mode. Whereas like a 50K, it's still short enough where I can like engage the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, you can kind of like flow the whole time. You don't have to like, with anything much longer than that, like you have to spend a fair amount of time like running, like maybe like way slower than feels comfortable just so you don't die. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> like that. No, not really. Which is why I haven't run anything super long yet, but, but I definitely want to try. What's your, what's the longest thing you've run? 50 miles. And that I was like, this is too long. Was JFK your, your first 50 miler? No. Um, it's my most recent one, uh, but my first 50 miler was actually the North Face Endurance Challenge San Francisco in 2016. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, which I'm glad I ran that before they stopped it. It's very pretty, but I have a feeling something will replace it. Like, honestly, it's so beautiful out there if it doesn't burn down. Um, 
Yeah, no, I ran a couple 50s. I was training for, um, I don't know if you've heard of Twisted Branch. It's like a 70 miler, like 100K. Uh, but I didn't, I was like overtrained and I twisted my ankle during the race. So I DNF'd that one. But um, mm -hmm. so after your second 50K, what happened with the injuries? Um, so, well, okay. So I, so I ran my first ultra, so that was 2017 which was like, was like six months after my first marathon. And I really liked that. And then I did a 40 mile race in the beginning of 2018, um, Mount Mitchell challenge. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but that's like a super, super fun race. It's just like a pretty small field. Um, I think it's like a few hundred runners and it go, it's like, an, it goes up Mount Mitchell in North Carolina, which is the tallest mountain on the east coast it doesn't i mean it's a totally different feel than like mount washington very very different situation mount washington feels like a taller mountain but mount mitchell is actually taller um but anyway that's that's a fun race sometimes it's snowy um it's basically all pretty it's kind of rough trail um some of it's like more mountainous and it's it's fun because it's all uphill in the first half so it's 20 miles up and then it's 20 miles down which like to me is basically the best thing you could ask for in a race because then you can just like totally um kill yourself on the downhill without consequences when you can't drive home that's how i feel about that yeah that well you're someone else's problem by then <laughs> yeah so i so i i had a great time with that and then i then I d defended my PhD, um, moved to Boston, and I did another race, and then I kind of spent the all I spent all the rest of 2018 and into 2019 with like a string of injuries. First, I um, stress fractured my pelvis running. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't as I don't know, I wasn't as painful as it sounds, but. I always thought that I heard that people that that happened to people and I was like that sounds really nasty and then literally like I I I was just like thinking about it and then like it happened to me like so it was, was really it an, weird. an event or did, were you just I was I was the day it happened um I was I did a 16 mile road run so it's like kind of like spicy like I was running pretty fast I was feeling good felt felt like I was in shape and then I like just like had some pain and I had a few miles left and I was like, wow, that feels really weird and just like ran home. And then basically as soon as I stopped running, I couldn't really like walk anymore. I was just like hobbled. Um, and it took a while to figure out that that was what it was. Um, and it was, it wasn't actually that long off of running. It was like six weeks, but after that, it just took me a long, well, six weeks and then like, um, but plus the time before I got it diagnosed, then some rehab time and like low, low mileage and stuff. And I was like pretty much like recovered and I fell bouldering, rock climbing unexpectedly and like really messed up my ankle in a way that was way, way worse than the, than the stress fracture actually. Like I like tore two ligaments completely and I had like small micro fractures, like all through like my talus and navicular, like all over my foot, just like little tiny fractures. Um, and that 
I had to like wear a boot for a few weeks and couldn't do any anything. And after that, my basically like my ankle and foot hurt for I think that happened in November 2018. And I think it stopped hurting like summer of 2019. Like it was a, it was rough. It was a long time that I just that I just like I was running, but like I wasn't running well. I couldn't like I couldn't really run without pain. Um, so it it took a lot of PT and a lot of time. Uh, and I was definitely some some dark times. I don't know if you've had any had any bad injuries, but it's hard. Yeah, I mean, especially like you had some like you won and did pretty well in your first ultra. So I imagine like, and I did pretty well in my first ultra. So, you know, I think that you get a, even though like they were small, like what you were saying, like, mm -hmm. you get that little like, oh, now I'm like a real runner and I have yeah. to like do this. And then you're like, yeah, like having something that happens like an injury, or it seems like, the worst thing in the world because like, you know, you sort of like put yourself on a pedestal that might like, that is very strange, but it matters to you. And so, yeah, I, I definitely actually like, um, after my first, like I sort of did a 50 K 50 K and then my first 50 miler. And then I did, I did okay. Like, well, and so like, then I was like, I'm an ultra runner now with a capital U and like, and then I moved to, to Syracuse, like I like, I don't know, not like two hours away. And mm -hmm. then I just started training, like how I thought ultra runners should train. Like I didn't have a coach, but I like, I read a lot and, um, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time, like not feeling great. Like I wasn't really like injured, injured, but, um, I just not feeling good you know like it was very it was strange and it kind of sucked and yeah I didn't have a very good beginning of 2017 I ended up like finally just like I need to take a month off of this both like met for my mental health and just my body just feels like not broken but kind of just like banged up to the point where like I could break it at any point yeah yeah I definitely know what you mean and it's hard like it's we just have always have to be reconsidering and listening to our bodies, I guess, because what I've learned in my time in this sport is like what worked for me even like a year ago doesn't necessarily work for me right now. I think a hard thing too is like, I'm a woman, not a small man. So what mm -hmm. a man might be able to do doesn't mean that that's what I should do. And just because I can do it and I can maybe I can handle like, I don't know, a hundred miles a week doesn't mean that I should, or that like, I, I have a theory that like, there might be a threshold, like, you know, I will run to my potential at like X number of miles a week. And like, I could run more and I maybe might not get worse, but I probably won't get better. Like it won't, it doesn't matter. Like it's sort of just like junk mileage at that point. And yeah. I think that's something that I've really had to come to terms with. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I've really, I've struggled to um, calibrating my sense of like more is more and when it stops being more, but I totally agree with you. I think that there's diminishing returns at some point and there's exponentially increasing risk. And 
I think like as people who like want to like want to challenge ourselves and get better and feel like we're doing just doing what we everything we can do it it the inclination is to be higher on that curve than is optimum um with our best interests in mind it's just like that's what that's what the mind wants yeah uh, or the mind, not really like, what the body needs even if my body and mind like know like that doesn't even sound fun like you know even when i'm like no i don't think i want to spend eight hours on the mountain today like mm. but then you know it's kind of like should i feel that way do i like what yeah it's a very uh interesting thing and then now with like social media connecting us all somebody's doing something crazy every day and so you, you're never at a loss <laughs> for somebody doing something that can put you into like a negative thought spiral but yeah. in the same vein, everybody also is very good at like building each other up, which I think is why, like, when somebody does something, you hear about it because everybody's excited for them. Yeah. And like you said, so many people are doing crazy stuff and we're so connected that at some point it's like, I don't know, I feel like I've become a little desensitized. Maybe it's even helped me. Like I'm a little less, I have a little bit less FOMO because how could I possibly keep up and match with all of the amazing things that everyone does. Yeah, I think also in growing into my running self, I've realized that like, I don't have to want to do those things either. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think you will, if, if you haven't, if you don't already like, think about this, you probably will like, just because you could like go to a 50k and win doesn't mean you want to or you should like yeah, that's that's exactly. a big thing it's like people are like oh you could like be a great 50 miler or something you could be like a great this kind of runner and I'm like yeah but I don't want to do that and that's like the point I'm not a professional so that's the point I need to want to do it first exactly exactly I totally agree how did you finally get out of the injury cycle um just really just time and patience it, it took a while. I had some other like small, like, I guess, compensation injuries that kind of sprung up as I, as, as I um, got back into running too. So, so it was hard. And I started working with a coach last summer and really I was still dealing with some residual issues at that time. Um, yeah. Like summer 2019. So I think you interviewed her, Sarah, Sarah Kais. Yeah. So she's yeah, my coach. I interviewed her yeah. Twice. She's awesome. She's wonderful. Speaking of people doing crazy things. And speaking of people blowing up when they tried them, like she has had a lot of success this summer, but she also has taken it down. So, you know, she puts her money where her mouth is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you eventually, though, did run JFK in 2019, and you did very well. You got ninth. Um, how did the build up to that race go, like coming back from basically nothing? That went well. Um, yeah, that was really like after that cycle of injuries, that was my first like what felt like a successful buildup and getting back to high mileage in a place where I was like really building fitness and not getting injured. And I've been able to maintain that to some extent. I did have I did have an issue um, this past spring that kind of like was going on when quarantine started that I was dealing with, which was like some really weird, like nerve pain in my hip that's taken a bit to clear up, but I've been doing a lot better. JFK buildup was, was good. 
Um, and that race, although it was so, so monotonous for that, those um, 25 miles was kind of, was also fun. I mean, it was so, the fast 50 mile, I mean, you did amazing. Um, I, you did, you went sub seven, right? Uh, yeah, I had a very interesting day out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I thought that it was at this, it was terrible and also fun. I mean, I think that like there, there's, there's definitely appeal. I, I kind of see myself on like two extremes when it comes to ultras, and one is like very fast runnable ultras, like JFK, and then the other is actual mountain running. And I don't really like have that much interest in the in between. So JFK was fun, but I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'd go back. I definitely suffered. Um, so what do you like about the mountain running? I just like the like the fact that it's it's so different than road running. It's uses a totally different skill set. Um, I mean, you you need to be fit to be a good mountain runner, but you also need to be you also need to think quickly. Um, you need to be confident, and the conditions can be like so much more variable. And I I just think it's fun. Like I when I'm mountain running, I just have fun in a way that's really unique from normal running is it kind of like um you release yourself from any sort of like time or needing to go fast oh yeah yeah for sure have you had like when you were running on the road were you kind of like a somebody that was really focused on like the time well it's just like more stressful I just I like the race I, I definitely like the experience of racing where it's more about um the competition and the terrain and the technicality than just like how how well did I prepare my body with workouts leading into this to be able to run like a, a flat pace I mean I like that kind of racing as well but I think that it's it's harder to detach your ego from it than mountain racing yeah something I've learned uh, in the past two years that I've been doing mostly road running is like the professionals really are good at like taking their ego out of a pace or something like that because they are like racing. They're not like, they know they're not going to get a PR every time they run a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Because they like they're it. so fast that like, it's not possible. Um, and for me, like I'm, I don't really look at my watch when I'm running even like a fast road race because like I sort of know the effort that I want. And I think I take mm -hmm. taken that from ultra running. Like I know what effort I should be at. And so it's kind of like, it's also like how I think of ultras too. So I tried to bring that from ultras to my road racing is that the athlete that I am that like stands on the starting line, that's what I've got that day. So like, I know the effort that I have and whatever effort that that is, that's the time. Like I can't do anything about that. Like I am who steps on the line. And I think I've like, I think I've taken that from ultra running. Like you are who you are when you stand on the start line. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a great extrapolation. Like you're, you're able to see yourself and what you're working with that day is just like part of the conditions. Like basically the reasons why I'm saying that, I, that the mountain running could be more appealing. I could definitely work on that. But I mean, I think that mountain running is, is, is super fun apart from that, just, just because it's, 
it's a different challenge. It's a different, whole different set of muscles. I mean, it's like hiking too and climbing sometimes and like, yeah, it's uh, it definitely does take your brain. Whereas I kind of like it that I can, I don't need to use energy in the brain. I can just run straight and use the energy. <laughs> I love my favorite thing is like doing a hard mountain run and then running on roads the next day because you're just like, it just feels amazing. You're like, oh my god, like I don't, I don't even have to think. Like I can just, like I barely even have to pick up my feet. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna trip on anything. <laughs> That's how I feel on the two runs a week that I do on trails. Cause I'm like, Oh, my feet are so, it feels so soft. Like I don't need to, cause I don't, I'm not running on anything technical. So I'm just like, Oh, my feet don't even need to work. Like, or my legs barely even need to work. I'm just dancing. Exactly. I think the key here is contrast. We just, we need both. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about cat's tail. That's your most recent race. Um, you know, I, I have to ask, like, I haven't raced since, the, like, the trials. So, like, I haven't raced basically, and I probably won't in 2020 just because um, personal reasons. Um, so you're, like, in – you're, like, on the ground, like, fighting this virus, like, it, with science. And so, like, how is it for you, like, when you see – like, going to a race? Like, how do, – do you feel comfortable? Do you feel like people – and do you feel like the conditions are appropriate? Like, I, I think people want to know, and I also am curious for myself, like, somebody that, you know, you're working to develop something to fight, like, what we're – this invisible thing that we're all fighting. And, like, how is racing? Yeah, for me, the experience of racing at Cattail was good and felt safe. Um, I was definitely worried about that going in. I guess my recommendations to anyone considering racing, doing an in-person race would definitely be to just consider what policies are being put forth and what changes are being put forth by the race director carefully. And it takes a lot of, as I think we all have realized throughout this, like it takes a lot of personal management of logistics to, uh, for yourself to like make sure that you're going to feel good in whatever you're trying to do. Um, so for Catsdale, uh, the field side was, was lower. I kind of knew like going into it that I probably wasn't going to be, be super concerned about the running part just because I'm already dealing with running. Like I run very early in the morning. I always, I always do anyway and I've just continued it um, even though I'm working from home to tr- kind of try to avoid people around here but it's pretty busy running in Boston. Um, so for like a hundred person race over a marathon distance in the mountains, uh, I figured that it wasn't going to really be more crowded than what I'm already dealing with in Boston. And it wasn't, I mean, I was alone on the trail for a large portion portion of the race, but, but yeah, I guess that, so your question is, what was my comfort level with it? How did I feel about it? Sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought you were asking. Yeah. Like, so you felt like everything was like up to code and, um, you didn't feel you like, obviously, I mean, you ran pretty well. You got second. Uh, did you have to run with a, a mask the whole time? Is that like the deal? No. The, yeah. So there wasn't, it, so you didn't have to run with a mask the whole time. There was, there was, there were masks required at the start and the finish and recommended to use while passing, which I think most people did. And if we like, if you saw other people on the trail, 
the aid stations, I was a little bit worried about as well. Um, but they did say they would be contactless. So basically they had just like a couple people and you wore your mask at the aid stations and then they just like would refill your bottles or whatever. And there, I think that there was like a little bit of food that was like pre-portioned. I just, I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I just carried what I needed for food and I just did like the contactless um, fluids. Do you but, see races going on like this in the future? Do you think that's how it's going to be for a little while? I think that racing will probably just be like very, very minimal for a while because even this was like half the field size. And I don't think that, I think that sort of approach is um, amenable for a trail race like Cat's Tail, but like for the bread and butter of like what racing is for most people there's not really like a small field size or like, like contactless aid station, like approach that is even feasible, like for like a world major marathon or even like just like a, a sizable road marathon anywhere in the Northeast or, or around the country. So I think like really the answer to your question is I think maybe, maybe for some trail races, but that are already like small field size, um, but probably not for most people most so races how do you see this vaccine playing out like let's say like we get the vaccine it's distributed do you think then it's like okay free pass now we're fine like how do you think it's gonna go um certainly certainly not um just like it will it will come out and it will all be fine i think that probably um th there will be a time period where its distribution is limited. I mean, it will take a while to get herd immunity whenever the vaccine comes out, whoever's distributing it. Um, and even then, like, we still don't have that kind of key data. And when I say we, I mean, just in general, like, I haven't seen any data published that from these, from clinical trials, from any companies working on the vaccine that, like, really give us a super, super clear picture of what the efficacy will be and what the durability will be. I mean, those, those kinds of metrics take time and that will be what will, those will be the important deciding factors in how, how protective we think a vaccine is in the population. Okay. So I yeah. think that it will definitely help. Um, but as far as like what the timeline is, I really don't know. There's a lot that's still up in the air. I mean, I like, I like the optimism that I hear from you. Like, I think, you know, it's coming. It's just, you know, people want to, especially with like the holidays and stuff, you know, we're worried about that, like travel and all this stuff. Um, so racing is kind of like, I just, after like we were four months into this, I just sort of took racing off the table for myself. Yeah. And I still just haven't changed that mindset yet, but I know it's, it would probably like for a trail race like that would probably be fine. And so I think that people, if they want to do it, do it. It's, uh, it, you know, there's just so much going into it, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's just so hard. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and we're, for cat's tail, I didn't even like, I was like expecting it to get canceled really like until like a few days before I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess like this is actually happening. So like, I wasn't really, I 
as soon as this all happened, I wasn't planning on racing either. And I pretty much detached myself from even like feeling like I needed that and needed to be competitive. So it was kind of a strange experience actually being in a race, but there are, I think there's like 50, there's at least like 50 vaccines in clinical trials right now. So like, I don't know if that's like a record, but for like a single disease, but it could be for sure. I mean, it's crazy how many people are working on this. Yeah. So So let's say like you are invited to a race and everybody there has gotten the vaccine um, and they don't have any rules. Like, no, you don't have to wear masks. You don't have to do whatever. Would you still go to the race? I think it would depend on what the levels of the disease were in the population. It would like I would need some information on on how effective that vaccine was at lowering rates in the population. I mean, if if everyone if basically everyone was vaccinated and we saw that like there wasn't a high incidence in the communities anymore, I would probably feel pretty comfortable. Personally, I don't really feel like I know a lot of people have gotten to a point where they feel like it's ne- things will never go back to normal. I definitely don't feel like that. I feel like they will go back to normal. People will be touching each other with like too much touching, but yeah, people are going to want more personal space again. Everything will go back to normal. That's what yeah. that's- I'm going to have to worry about if there's food in my teeth after I get done eating because I have to put the mask back on. <laughs> yeah, so, there are some advantages to wearing a mask for sure. There are, there are. Like nobody can see like the face that I'm making at them when they ask for something outrageous. <laughs> yeah, or like if you're in a situation where you feel, I don't know if you have this, but like, Sometimes you can be in those situations where you're like, what am I, what am I doing with my mouth? Like, it's awkward. Like, how do I hold my mouth in this conversation? Yeah, or all the time. You don't have to do that. You can, you can just hold it however you want and not worry about it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to close out the interview, thank you for spending this time with me. I've learned a lot and this is going to be great. I should just put this out tomorrow. Um, we're going to play a game called Ideal Aid Station. So um, are you ready okay. to play? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're coming into, you know, mile 35 of JFK. <laughs> I just want to die. And uh, this is like the perfect aid station of what would be there for you. So uh, favorite sweet snack? Um, I like Sour Patch Kids Big Heads. Highly recommend. Oh, the Big Heads. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, favorite salty snack? Uh, definitely chips, especially at that stage in the race. You want to know what I did at JFK? What? They had broth, and at one the first aid station they had it had noodles in the broth. That was great. I just like slurped that right down. The next nice. was just broth, and I was like, I want something in this. So I crunched up the chips, put it in the broth, and then slurped it down. It was that so sounds good. really good actually. Yeah, I'll try that. Especially cold so like the warm oh it's great wow um sounds amazing yeah just just have it right now um favorite uh hot food like at an aid station yeah oh probably broth i had ramen noodles at an aid station once too and i like that yeah it's comforting um favorite sports drink lately i've been doing sword and i really like sword I've, I've actually heard of that. A lot of people in uh, Connecticut like that too. Like it's very, it's, I don't know why it's weird. 
I don't know why it's so good. It just is. You should try Apple Sword. It's Apple. just like okay, pro- definitely the best best sports drink I've had. It's very it was delicious. Non sports drink. Non sports drink. Yeah. Like at an aid station. Yeah. Uh, Coca Cola. Yeah, Flat definitely Coca Cola. Hmm. Flat or bubbly? Bubbly. Okay, I have to do the flat, but mine's Mountain Dew. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a do at mile 40. Interesting. I didn't even know they gave that to people. Yeah, well, I thought it was Gatorade, and it was Mountain Dew, and I was like, this is so much better. <laughs> um, favorite item of gear that you would like at your aid station? Of gear? Yeah, if you like to change it to something, or if you just needed it. Um, fresh, definitely like fresh socks can be good. I haven't changed my socks in a race, but I have on other like extended runs this summer and it's really quite nice. Yeah. It's like new life into the feet. Exactly. All right. Final question. Uh, if you could have one celebrity or somebody like famous or something to like meet you at the aid station, either just give you some words or even if they were able to run a couple miles with you, who would it be? Any celebrity. Or like a a famous running person, like anybody. So it could be a runner or a non-runner? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Maybe like Bernie Sanders, that would be cool. Oh yeah, I bet feel the (laughs) burn. I bet he could run for a little while. I bet he can, yeah. Yeah, just enough on that voice alone. Exactly. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, uh, Kate, why don't you t- uh, give us like an Instagram handle or if you have like a website or whatever, um, so where people can check you out online. Yeah, sure. My Instagram handle is um, just Kate underscore Mingle. That's it. Yeah. But I actually just got married. So that's Congratulations. Not yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, thank you again for joining me and, um, I'll let you know when this goes out. Have a good night. Thanks, Allie. Bye. Bye.